Hello and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review, where basically I just go over the podcast of Joe Rogan's experience, I talk about things that I like, things that I learned, things that were inspiring, and shit that I don't understand, which is plenty of it. Today is podcast for the MMA portion of his show, number 60, with Forrest Griffin, Clint Wattenberg, that's an interesting name, and Dr. Duncan French. Now, these guys all work for the UFC Performance Institute, which is uh, a new part of uh, the UFC where fighters can go and train in pretty amazing facilities by all accounts. Now, when you listen to this episode on Joe's podcast, if you're into this sort of thing and you're a big fan of the UFC and want to know about the best ways of training and things like that, then, uh, you know, take some notes. It's complicated. They say a lot of things. So there we go. Let's start the review. Welcome to the Joe Rogan Experience Review, where each week I review every single episode of the Joe Rogan Experience. What more do you want? Now, I haven't seen a lot of information about the Performance Institute other than fighters talk about how freaking great it is. I think the first time I heard about it, was when Nganu was training over there because he didn't really have anywhere to train. So he just kind of moved in to that facility and was training there. In some ways, the the thought that I got out of it is it kind of seems like a training facility like at what the Russian guy had on uh, Rocky Four. He had, you know, all the super cool machines and he's just training away and all the scientists are there plugging him in and seeing the best way to train while Rocky's like you know, running through the woods and carrying logs and things like this. It, that's the kind of idea that I got behind it. Obviously, it's far more uh, technical now. It's 2019. They've got all sorts of stuff up there. They kind of talk about how really the focus is personalizing the fighter's training schedule, their diets, all sorts of things like this. And, you know, it's really about seeing the fighters as athletes. And, you know, I've always seen them or thought of them as athletes, but I guess in the past, you know, a lot of these guys have just trained, you know, as thugs in a sense. I mean, maybe that's too strong of a word, but, you know, it's the the training's all over the place in the past, and now they're really kind of formalizing their training. They're learning so much more about what each fighter needs, and the big focus is on recovery. It's like what is the best way for fighters to learn, their moves to recover to compete and you know and then to get back into training as hard as they can again i guess a lot of times you hear of fighters overtraining you know joe brings it up with cain velasquez quite often like his mental strength is so high he just trains himself into injuries so this is a good way to kind of keep an eye on these fighters so you can always get the best out of what you're doing which i think is great that's so good for these guys because it's if you're a ufc fan Right, which I am, and I'm sure a lot of people listen to Rogan are too. It's a real shame when there's a great fighter like Cain Velasquez, right, that can't fight because of his continual injuries. So, if there are organizations and basically out there that can help scientifically study the best ways to train and recover, then we're not going to lose as much time with these people. I mean, Look at how amazing John Jones is. Fights all the time. Only doesn't fight when he gets in his own controversy. But imagine if now that he's older, he starts getting injured. He starts taking some shots, getting injured, and isn't able to fight. 
that would be a real bummer. I mean, it's we've missed so much of of his fighting capability as it is, uh, just because of the trouble that he gets into. To lose more because he and the people around him didn't necessarily understand the best way to train him and put him together it would be a disaster, really, for everything. Uh, one thing that I really liked Joe talking about, and it's something that he brings up a lot, is the weight cut issue, right? We've talked about this, the weight cut issue. Where's these guys out? They're on death door by the time they weigh in. Joe knows this because he sees it. He does he does the announcements for the weigh-ins, and he sees these guys. He sometimes talks, to, he mostly talks to these guys, and he sees that they're just struggling, they're cramping up, and, you know, within a day or so, they've got to fight, it, rehydrate themselves, get their energy back, and get in the ring. And he's saying, look, this is dangerous. That we need a better way. And being able to talk directly to the guys at the Institute, not that necessarily they make the rules exactly, but they were saying that the UFC could decide. They could decide not to have the weight cuts and you just got to weigh in where you are. I mean, you're going to get a better um, athlete at the end of it, right? Potentially. Now, I know some guys really do uh, prefer to be able to cut weight and then come in heavier and do those sorts of things, get that little bit of an advantage. And I know it's all advantage-based often. But, you know, is it necessary? Could they do it another way? They were saying that 1FC is doing that. 1FC is where Demetrius has gone to. And he, over there, they're not doing the way, they're not doing the weight cuts. I don't know all the information about it, but they were saying that. So it's being tried out. But the guys at the Institute were like, listen, more research needs to be done. We need to see what they're doing for an extended period of time. That was kind of a recurring issue in this podcast uh, that that I wish had been clearer. Now, I know they just didn't want to commit to necessarily best practices without a ton of research, you know, and it, and it is why they built this Institute because there's not the research out there um, to say definitively, oh, this is the best way to do this, and this is the best way to do that. So they're kind of putting that information together. But they didn't commit to much. You'll see that when Joe is asking them questions, they'll be like, well, we need to look into it, and we need more research with this. Uh, the English guy um, on the podcast was definitely doing that. He was very careful not to overcommit. And uh, a lot of times his answers would just be kind of like complicated words, in return, like, you know, we get, need to understand the modalities and the optimization and the subjective focus and, you know, more research needs to be done. So not to say that he's skirting the issue, but like anything, you know, when you listen to Joe's podcast, you want to get some answers. You want to know, okay, what is the best way? If they were like, right, what you want to do is this, eat this way, do this, do this, and then train like this. Now, I understand all athletes are different, all fighters are different. They've got different things that they need. But there's also like averages that you could take that could be passed to just like the regular person. I mean, they said they had a sauna, but they didn't necessarily say what the sauna, you know, whether it's all that good. A lot of times they said if a fighter likes it and they feel better, you know, if they're doing like the recovery bath and then, you know, the ice bath and the sauna and then back and forth, and if they feel better, then that's cool. You know, that works for them, and that's kind of a psychological end of it. But how much it does for the individual necessarily, um, you know, and whether it's really all that beneficial for the body, who knows, you know. So I think I think in some ways a more definite answer would have been great. 
but at the same time, you know, you can tell these guys are doing some great work. Another thing I thought was really cool is coming up to the fight camp, or I mean, the end of the fight camp, you've got fight week, as they call it. It's like all the press, a lot of stress, and it's like a week up until the event. They said that they have a new part of their department now that feeds them for a week, right? Gets them all the meals, what they need, the best way to survive. So they're not left on their own. And I think this is something that even as a UFC fan, people aren't aware of. It's like so much of getting ready for this fell on the fighters before that. And that's why when you get, um, you know, the fighters that are the most experienced and have been around for the longest, like Lawler and these sorts of guys, they already have all their processes down, right? So they can be more consistent. They know how to do it. They've done these weeks over and over again. But for newer fighters that are like coming at it for the first time, it's tough. So it's cool that they're getting that support and it allows them to really be in the best position they can. So we get to see the best fights, the best version of the fight instead of somebody just gassing out or really collapsing, you know, just from the over, like the extreme intensity of the entire situation. And really one side note is that I love the fact that the UFC has kept Forrest Griffin on as an employee, really since he's done so much for the organization. You go back to UFC 1 when he fought Stefan Bonner, and it was just such a beast of a fight. Joe talks about it, you know. If you haven't seen that fight, check it out on YouTube. Pretty sure it's on there. It it was unbelievable. Three rounds of rock'em, sock'em, smashing. Of course, Forrest Griffin won, but it was a very close fight. And... You know, Stefan and Forrest went on to be really good fighters. Forrest obviously winning the light heavyweight belt at one point in a really impressive performance over, I believe, Rampage. I think that's who he fought and he won, which I really didn't think was going to happen, but good for him. I mean, he really put it together. And it got a lot of people talking about the UFC when they had that fight. And I, it was almost like the turning point. I think it's pretty well known. So it's cool that they're keeping him on and having him still be a part of the organization. And to be honest, he's a funny dude. He's pretty funny on this podcast, and uh, it's a good conversation. But again, there's a lot of information in there. So if you're into it and you want to know the best ways to train, maybe you're a fighter and you're starting your MMA career or you've been thinking about it, you know, pay attention to what the Institute's doing and uh, get as much information out of it as you can. It probably is one of the best places to prepare and train in the world. And it's cool that they're going to be opening up more of these. So anyway, guys, as usual, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Have a nice day.